Richard Wagner, and Joshua Johnson. I'm here to make you laugh, challenge your mind, and help you build a foundation. This is the Dynasty Folk, presented by the Dynasty Football Wheel. Now, before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. Rule number one. No touching of the hair or face. Of course. And that's it! All right. Well, I was playing the Jim Moore playoff clip, but that doesn't want to work today, apparently. So, um, welcome to the dance. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Oh, I got no problem getting interrupted by that. This is the Dynasty Pulse Podcast. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. It is indeed the Fantasy Playoffs. I am Joshua Johnson. Welcome to the Dynasty Pulse Podcast. With me, as always, is Nick. Hail to the Redskins player. Nick, what's up, buddy? Oh, not much. I guess uh, Jim Moore figured, hey, if you didn't mind getting interrupted, he'd do it again. How are you doing today, Josh? <laughs> uh, well, I'm not doing as good as Matt Schaub, who is apparently going to make $3 million for his uh, games started this year for the Baltimore Ravens. I would take half of that to throw a pick six in the NFL. I would take a third of that to throw a pick six in the NFL. Um and if I sound a little bit different today, it's because a uh, hockey game broke out in my living room this morning and uh, somebody took a stick to the uh, upper lip. Uh, that would be me. And it's a little puffy, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bear down and, and uh, plow through. I should have taken some ibuprofen, but I have not. So we'll see how it goes. Energy drink in hand, and we are ready to do this thing for you. Um, it's championship week, folks, so we're just got a few things to say about week 15, and then we're going to hit all the games like we did last week. Uh, Nick's going to, of course, rant. Then we have a, a dynasty dilemma, and then we're just going to hit the rest of the game, and then Mr. Chuck Budison is going to stop by. As we do our ATS picks for this Christmas week, happy Christmas, Merry Christmas, crazy Kwanzaa, whatever, whatever your religion is, we are happy to be with you for the holiday week. We will not be having a podcast next week because... If you're still in a fantasy league next week, it is not legit. Um, fantasy week ends this week. This is championship week, people. Get it right. Tell your commissioner if that's not the case. You need to get it right this week. Um, uh, yeah. Nick, one question before we get to performances. Uh, I saw a couple of tweets floating out about this, and I just thought, since you're kind of the, the resident Redskins fan, and I like to pick on you for that for a little bit, every, every bit now and then, um, if you were deciding who should sign RG3, who would you choose? Well, you know, I think the perfect fit for him would be with Chip Kelly in Tennessee backing up Marcus Mariota, but there's so many variables that would have to take place for that to happen. It's unlikely. Uh, you know, I'd love to see him paired with a, a young stud receiver like in Houston with uh, Hopkins, or, you know, maybe given a chance to learn from a veteran like Carson Palmer in Arizona, Big Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh. Those are both situations where he would likely be able to see a little bit of playing time anyway with an elite unit. But, you know, I have a feeling that Griffin's going to have an axe to grind, and deservedly so. So I would 
wouldn't be surprised at all if he signed with somebody like Dallas, probably. You know, supposedly Robert and his father told uh, former head coach Shanahan he wouldn't run the read option anymore. I have no idea if that's true or not. But, you know, if he had a change of tune or if that's not true, you know, Chip Kelly remains in Philly, that would also be a perfect fit there. Shoot, Robert would probably be the best running back at this point if he wanted to switch positions. You know, as a fan of the Skins, you know, I really hope he does well. As amazing as his rookie year was, he deserved better than that from that organization. You know, young quarterbacks struggle sometimes. He should have been allowed to play through it. If he doesn't go to an NFC East team and in three years he's awesome and the Skins have changed their name, I may just adopt Griffin's new team, you know, but I have kind of have a feeling the Redskins broke him. So, you know, who knows? Well, thanks for stealing my thunder on the Eagles. I uh, figured you'd go there anyway, but wouldn't that be a story? Chip Kelly stays there, they get rid of Bradford, and he's their quarterback. I, I unfortunately have a real hard time seeing Griffin being somebody going somewhere, somewhere to sign him to be their starter. Um, I would like to mention the other green team, the Jets. Fitzpatrick is not necessarily a spring chicken, and I think uh, if they can get rid of Geno Smith, they will certainly try to do so. And, you know, say two years from now, if Brandon Marshall is still playing, Eric Decker and Jason Marl, of course, is going to come through and be an elite tight end, like I keep telling people, even though I missed this whole season. Well, that could be a good situation for Robert Griffin, I believe. Um, but the, the team that I keep going back to, and it's solely as a backup, but I think the best team that could use him as their backup, and I think they would not necessarily – miss a huge beat if their quarterback was to go down would be Seattle. Right now their current backup is Tavares Jackson. Uh, you know, he's not necessarily, you know, pushing 35 by any means. But if he was to go there and watch how Russell Wilson does his thing and how he continues to be successful and how that team is built around Russell Wilson, you know, the shorter, the running quarterback, maybe Griffin could pick up a few things, even if he just went there to be a backup for a couple of years and then moved on. I just think that would be a really good situation for him to be in a winning, more of a positive situation. You know, it's well documented how Pete Carroll is on the practice field and whatnot. So I think that would be a that would be a smart move for them. Um, just any any standout performances. You know what I'm going to go for since he stole my thunder. I just want to say this is all I'm going to say about Week 15. Antonio Brown is God. I just I can't decide. <laughs> What is more impressive, the 18 targets? I mean, how good do you have to be to get 18 targets? Or the 16 receptions? Not to mention it was versus the Denver flipping Broncos, who have the two, arguably the best cornerback tandem in the league. And, oh, man, yeah, wow. What do you got? <laughs> Well, first off, I hats off to the NFL for suspending Odell Beckham. I've never seen behavior like that on a football field. I do wonder, though, that if head coach Coughlin had benched him during the game, if he may have possibly avoided being suspended if the team had just actually done it themselves. Um, you know, Cam Newton's putting up crazy stats, 100 yards rushing, 340 yards touchdowns. He's got to be the MVP frontrunner. Uh, like you mentioned, Pittsburgh's offensive players are now officially matchup proof after torching that Denver's number one ranked defense. Uh, Green Bay scored 30 in the points in their win, but their fantasy studs lost a lot of matchups, I think. You know, Aaron Rodgers only 204 yards and a touchdown, Randall Cobb 40 yards, Eddie Lacy 23 yards, ouch. Um, Kirk Cousins and Teddy Bridgewater both had five total touchdowns. Uh, the Jaguars really blew a golden opportunity against a reeling Falcons team. Uh, they would have only been one game behind in the division if they had won, but they couldn't get the job done. And finally, it sure has been neat to watch Seattle transition from a running team to a passing offense. 
Russell Wilson just looks totally in sync with Doug Baldwin, Lyle Lockett, and Curse. You know, strange how when Jimmy Graham was healthy, they struggled to move the football, and now that he's out, they're just dominating teams. Weird how that works sometimes, huh? Yeah, most definitely. Um, I want, for some reason, I thought of this as you were speaking. Nick's preseason Super Bowl prediction was all Philadelphia, or excuse me, all Pennsylvania, so Philly and the Eagles, Philly and Pittsburgh. Um, one out of two ain't bad. I think I think Pittsburgh is getting hot at the right time, and I, I, if I'm a playoff team, I don't want to play them right now. They're just like I said, just hot at the right time, and I feel like Seattle, you know, a couple maybe six weeks ago. It was in question whether they're going to make the playoffs or not. And, again, again, they're getting hot at the right time. I think that could potentially be a Super Bowl matchup. My picks were uh, not as bad or, or probably worse than yours. My one was worse than yours because it was Miami ugh, and Arizona. And Arizona's still up there in the air. So maybe we'll see a repeat of Arizona and Pittsburgh in the Super Bowl next. What do you think? Yeah, I think that would be a fantastic matchup. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, a lot of receivers in that game, definitely. Okay, let's get to some sit or start insanity as we are talking about that, as we're calling it this week for championship week. Uh, San Diego at Oakland, Christmas Eve. Oh, how much I want a Raiders victory on Christmas Eve. What do you got, Nick? Well, you know, San Diego held Miami to 44 yards rushing last week and under three yards per carry, so I think Latavis Murray's a little bit risky here. He's getting the touches, but not always the yards. 21 carries for 78 yards uh, in their game last week. Uh, Cooper and Crabtree should be rolled out, along with Antonio Gates. Uh, you know, now that Melvin Gordon has hurt, Danny Woodhead, who scored four touchdowns uh, in their games last week, is definitely a start. And if you're desperate, you know what? Donald Brown is actually over 100 total yards in the release with Melvin Gordon, but I would have to be super desperate. To, to start Donald Brown. Yeah. Um, the big matchup I like in this game, and it's um, it's a matchup that I think we're going to see for years to come in this division, is uh, Amari Cooper versus Jason, Jason Verrett. And if you remember the first time these two played, uh, Cooper had one of probably the, the craziest touchdowns I've, I've seen in a long time. About a 70-yard bomb, and he, he juked and jived, and uh, I think at one point he just blew one of their defenders over because San Diego's defense is so bad. But uh, I, I think that's that's a key matchup to watch if you're looking at that, and uh, that, it's going to be fun to watch these two players grow and face each other week, or excuse me, a couple times a year. I think that's going to be a great matchup there. So, um, long story short, I like Verrett on the other side if you have him in a cornerback required big. I would certainly roll him out. Um, don't. Don't be afraid to play Charles Woodson. Last home game ever. Uh, yeah. Guys hanging him up. Uh, he's going to make a play in this game. I just think he's going to make a play in this game. So. Otherwise, Nick hit the offense pretty good there. Oh, boy, Nick. One, one more thing about the Charles. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, about Charles Woodson, I did see a rumor that uh, he may be taking some snaps on offense during his farewell tour here. So, you know, that might oh, be something man. to keep an eye out for. Wow. And if they're going to do that, they're going to do it in front of their home crowd, right? You would think. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I didn't hear that. That's awesome. Um, okay. Division of the year, Nick. Washington visiting Philadelphia. What do you got? 
Well, you know, normally I hesitate to use Washington's inconsistent wide receivers, but given how many injuries the Philadelphia secondary has, I know Rowe got cleared from his concussion, but, you know, they weren't even that good to begin with, and now that they're beat up, you know, I think I would probably roll with them this week if you need them. Uh, Jordan Reed, of course, is a no-brainer every week, but Deshaun Jackson especially, and then also maybe Pierre Garcon are also worth a flyer if you need them. I would try to avoid all the running backs in this game. Uh, DeMarco Murray had two carries last week. Uh, Ryan Matthews had his fumbling issues. The Washington backfield has been tough to read all year. If I had to choose two running backs, I'd probably go with uh, Alfred Morris in standard leagues. He had 84 yards on 14 carries uh, last week. And then Darren Sproles in PPR leagues probably. But I would try to avoid them all. Okay. Um, so Kia and Barnett will lead this game in rushing. We got that got that squared away. <laughs> even on the team anymore. Um, uh, yeah, uh, of course, you got to, you're rolling Benny, Benny Logan and Fletcher Cox up front there for Philadelphia. Um, Brandon Graham has been coming around for them, too. Um, Malcolm Jenkins, certainly a must. Um, I love what Washington is doing, mixing and matching in their defensive backfield with Jarrett, uh, Kayshawn Jarrett, Golston, and uh, I think Trenton Robinson is still a little bit dinged up. But they got D'Angelo Hall actually playing a little bit of safety now, too. Um, I think if you're looking for a spark, um, I think all of those guys are worth consideration if you have some players that you're not quite sure about. Don't look at the projected stats. Just just look at them and uh, just, just consider what, what what you got going against and what the matchup's going to be there. So, um, Indy at Miami. Is it – I think you said this last week, Nick. Is it, fire, is it possible to fire an interim head coach too? <laughs> yeah, and it kind of looks like they should have. I mean – Really, fantasy-wise, not a whole lot to see here. Move along, folks. Uh, seriously, the, the Dolphins act like they're allergic to giving the ball to Lamar Miller, the best offensive player. He only had nine carries last week after being ignored in the second half the week before that. Jarvis Landry is really the entire only player on either team you're up that's a must-start, especially if Charlie Whitehurst gets caught. You know, but I heard that Hasselback thinks he's going to play this week, so I guess T.Y. Hilton's a borderline, high-risk, high-reward type of player, so you're probably rolling out Hilton if you don't have a lot of depth at receiver, but yeah, I'd be scared. And what's the deal with the nine-carry thing? Remember we talked about that um, a few weeks back when uh, Gurley only had nine carries, and then he had nine carries the next week. If you figure in your average NFL game, and I'm just throwing this out, I don't in your average NFL game, each team probably has, what, 10 to 12 drives? That means he's getting a carry, one less carry than drives. If you have 10 drives, he has nine carries. How do you not get him at least one carry per drive, maybe two? I mean, set a precedent. It can't, the game can't be out of hand. I mean, there's no reason this, your star running back, your top running back number one on the team should not have at least, like, six to eight carries in the first quarter of the game, as far as I'm concerned. Because you need to you need to know what the defense is going to give you. I'm all for taking shots down the field early on. Set a precedent. You know, get that get that yardage short. That pass when you have to. I mean, you got this is. I know it's a different league nowadays, but seriously, Todd Gurley having under under double digit carries is just ridiculous. And I feel the same way about Lamar Miller. Um, we had some good question and answers about Lamar last week in our Q and A last Saturday, and. Uh, I think I think McCraffick or maybe like somebody brought up that if he went somewhere else, he could potentially go somewhere else and be a dominant player and make Miami look like fools. And I uh, I really like that statement. So yeah, um, defensive wise, 
Uh, still like Ferdinand for Miami. I think he's he's provided some pretty good pretty good numbers there. Um, Shepard, the linebacker for Miami too, has been been playing very well last week, or last couple weeks. Um, Indy got got to go with T.Y. Hilton, but that's really the only people I would consider. Matt Hasselback, if you're super desperate, two quarterback style maybe. Uh, San Francisco at Detroit, Nick. Uh, gold and silver toilet bowl. I'm going to label this one. Oh, yeah. Well, Blaine Gabbert last week looked like, well, Blaine Gabbert, three interceptions. Although, in fairness, you should never be asking Blaine Gabbert to throw 50 passes in a game. I don't care if you were down 21 <laughs> nothing. Um, the Detroit running backs both uh, averaged over eight yards per carry last week. But that was against the Saints. I mean, come on. They're, they're, you know, San Francisco held Cincinnati to 68 yards on 36 carries. That's under two yards per carry. And Cincinnati is a lot better running team than Detroit. So, uh, you know, they, they say don't sit your studs, but I think that only applies when your stud is acting like a stud. Calvin Johnson, he had one catch each of the last two weeks. He's just not producing. If you survived with him, I would try to find a replacement for him this week. I do have no problem starting Golden Tate, though, especially in PPR leagues. He's seen so many of those screen passes and little dump-offs behind the line of scrimmage. And, you know, I think Matt Stafford and Eric Ebron are pretty good starts as well. But pretty much stay away from everybody on San Francisco. Yes, I love the Ebron 45-yard reception on Monday night. Can we see more of that, please, Detroit? And uh, I was playing against Golden Tate in the league where I'm undefeated last weekend. About mid-second quarter, I was ready to run to New Orleans and tackle him myself. I mean, what? I ended up winning, but it got way too close to comfort there. Uh, thank you, Ben Lott, for scoring that late touchdown. But, uh, yeah, Stafford. I like Ebron. I love him. I don't know if he's. I think he's. I think he's more of a, more of a desperation start. Um, you know, obviously there's, you know, probably six top tight ends in this in this league, and I think Jordan Reed is certainly getting himself in that conversation. But uh, and and I know the. I know you guys are in ten ten to twelve to fourteen to sixteen team leagues, but uh, and if if. if if Ebron's been your guy, I got no problem trusting him. There's just a, a handful of guys that I would probably roll over him. I would even consider Barnage over him in the next next game here. Um, I don't like Darius Slay as good as he's been. This Detroit secondary. I know San Francisco might have to throw the ball, but who knows? I mean, I just, I just, it's too up in the air. Obviously, uh, Zeke Anza is a. Uh, still the man, or Iggy Anza, excuse me, still the man there for Detroit, and he's creating a lot of havoc, though. I, I could see a couple sacks out of him. Uh, San Francisco defense. Uh, Jaquerski Tart continues to make plays, and Jimmy Ward's coming around, too, so I would consider them as we can see some. Like Nick said, a lot of screen passes and some deep balls there from Stafford. Cleveland. Oh, and I'll, I don't know if you said it, Nick, but if, in case you didn't, start Theo Riddick, you boneheads. Um Come on, people! You got to—he's—he's the—he's the man in the backfield to start. I don't—I mean, I know George Bell scored a touchdown last week, but—and I'm not even sure Riddick finishes finish numbers wise. But he's—he's he's a PPR machine. He's—he's kind of like the modern day Fred Jackson, Darren Sproles were back in the day. So, Kansas City hosting the Cleveland Browns. Tom Bahali starring in the freight train rides again. This guy is getting old, but he's having one heck of a season. Nick, what, what else you got for? Him? Uh, well, you already mentioned the tight end, Gary Barnage. He's a good start, as well as uh, the receiving running back, Duke Johnson, in PPR formats anyway. Because uh, you look, I mean, Kansas, or 
Cleveland's likely going to be playing from behind in this game, as hot as Kansas City is. Uh, Chiefs gave up over uh, 12 completions to tight end and running backs against Baltimore. So, you know, those two are definitely guys to look at. Uh, for Kansas City, obviously the running back for Kendrick West is a must-start. Uh, fellow running back where might be, I would. Uh, he's a guy you want to see monitors practicing this week. If he's a full go in practice on Thursday and Friday, go ahead and start him. If he's limited or sits out practice and is just like an emergency uh, running back like he was last week, then you're going to want to sit him. Uh, Macklin is really the only wide receiver I trust for Kansas City. Uh, but if the opportunistic Kansas City defense scores a couple times like uh, like they did in the matchup last week, uh, the Chiefs probably won't throw much. So Macklin does have a little bit of risk with him. Okay. Um, yeah, Cleveland. Cleveland's defense is just kind of all jumbled right now. I know Armonte Bryant had a big week last week, so I don't or two weeks ago, so maybe he's going to peak again. But uh, uh, not not a fan right now of anybody on that defense. Love love Holly. Um, Jay Howard's kind of lost lost a little bit of his touch to Ontario Poe as the season has progressed. So I would maybe avoid him, even though he probably brought you pretty pretty far. Um, let me ask you this, Nick, because I, as soon as you start, brought it up, I can't, I can't figure what side I would fall on here. But what do you think about uh, Barnage or Kelsey in this game? If you had to pick one of those two, I think I would lean Barnage just because I expect the Browns to be throwing the ball a lot more than Kansas City. Yeah, basically, Kansas City doesn't need Kelsey to win this game. Um, <laughs> Frankly, they don't even need Macklin. Um, I think they could just pound pound West there for a while. So, um, Houston at Tennessee. Can the Texans well, finally also, be a contender? Sorry, I was going to say, can the Texans finally be a contender, Nick? What do you think? Uh, I guess we'll see. Um, Alfred Blue's coming off a 100-yard game, but he had zero carries the week before. <laughs> Talk about the ultimate boomer bust. Uh, I own him in a league that I'm playing for a title this week. My running back situation is pretty weak in that league, and I'm still not going to be starting him. I'm going with uh, Carlos Williams. Um, you know, he's just got too low of a floor. Even with Brandon Whedon playing, I think you have to start DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, now, for Tennessee, Mettenberger is probably under center. I think DGB and the running back Andrews are decent flex options, and you already know the tight end Delaney Walker, so must start. But uh, other than that, I don't see a whole lot here. Uh, yeah, and don't look now. J.J. Watt is kind of slumping. Uh, I think he's got like six tackles and six assists the last three games. Um, I know he's got the broken hand, but I think if you'd ask any D coordinator if they could have their current starting tight defensive end or J.J. Watt with a, with a hand in a cast, I think they would say J.J. Watt. So, I mean, he's obviously still going to play. Uh, he is. I think. I don't think he did practice. Did not practice yesterday. Excuse me. Either did Clowney. And this is. This seems like an easy an easy win on paper for Houston, but you never know in these division games. Um, I don't even know what the spread is on that game. That'll be interesting. Yeah, and you know, until you said you have to start DeAndre Hopkins, I. I didn't even think about benching him in the one league that I'm lucky enough to have him in. I'm just like, not just to be a defiant against you, Nick, but just like, I mean, he is an evil sorcerer disguised as a wide receiver. The guy is insane, but, oh, it's Brandon Whedon. And I got Alan Robinson on the bench that I just can't find a spot for. It might be something to consider. Can you believe Alan Robinson didn't make the Pro Bowl? 
I know the Pro Bowl sucks. It's stupid anyway, but come on. That's that's snub and a half. Uh, Carolina at Atlanta. Cameron Artis Payne is a risky play, but uh, it's Christmas, damn it. Why not? Go for it. What do you think, Dick? Well, Carolina's a great example of uh, why when the RB1 goes down, you should kind of wait and see what they do to replace him. Fozzie Whitaker was supposed to be the man. He only got two carries. Cameron Artis Payne got 14. Mike Tolbert had five. You know, normally I'd say that Cameron Artis Payne is a decent start, but in a championship week, I'm just not trusting this backfield by committee. Uh, Cam Newton, Ted Ginn, and Greg Olson, those guys are must-starts, though. Uh, Devontae Freeman only had 56 yards on 25 carries last week, but he does contribute in the passing game as well, seven catches for 45 yards. So in PPR formats, I think he's still a safe option, even though he's kind of slumping as far as the, the running game goes. It seems like they don't really trust Kevin Coleman quite yet. He's a guy that you might want to look at trying to buy low in this offseason, though. He only had four touches last week in a game that they led most of the way. So he's a guy that could break out uh, next year, and, you know, his owners might be getting a little impatient with him. Mm-hmm. I, it's risky, but I love Artis Payne this week. Why not? I mean, they could coach to victory on him. And, you know, if he tests 30 carries and he, and he gets hurt, why not? They still got Tolbert, Whitaker, and probably Jace Jew will be healthy for the playoffs. I mean, they could potentially be arresting a lot of people next week anyway. Um, so maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Obviously, the Keegley's the man for the for the defense here. Um, Atlanta D. Jeez, I don't know. <laughs> I said start their corners last week, and that didn't really pan out. So. Uh, if you have an Atlanta D man, I probably wouldn't play him. Let's just put it. Let's just put it at that. Um, I love love Coleman, the safety for Carolina, and obviously I think Norman has a bounce. Not, not Norman has a has a better game, a little less, maybe a less physical game. We'll see. I don't know. It's hard to not go there. But uh, um, one thing to, to mention, uh, you know, Ben been worky, I think is how you say that last name, is, is done for the year for Carolina. So, you know, whoever is playing opposite uh, Norman at this point in time, it's maybe maybe good to consider the other cornerbacks on this team. And not that they're not going to throw to Julio because they will, and I think Norman's still a great play. But uh, well, it will be interesting to see how physical that matchup gets this week because it has been physical in the past. Um, speaking of running backs, since we're there, Nick, um, and – you're yelling at me for playing. Think about artist pain. Listen to this fluster cuck. I said that very carefully. Um, uh, so I got artist pain in the league. I drafted him in a redraft league and then dropped him right after so I could keep him if I wanted to. Now I picked him up again uh, under the radar last week before he went off. So I got artist pain and Carlos Williams. I got Jeremy Hill and Gio Bernard. And I'm obviously this is championship week, so this is big, and I also have. Uh, Brandon Bolden and Charles Sims. We got kind of deep benches in this game. Can you pick two of those six guys? Oh, geez. Um, it's a Carlos, but I think it's yeah, yeah. That is a lot of uh, RB two flex guys, I guess. <laughs> Especially this week with the Cincinnati having to uh, play at Denver. That's a very tough matchup for Geo and uh, Jeremy Hill. Normally, I would probably just start both those guys, but I think this week I would. Might even think about Charles Sims there. It's PPR league, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I might think Sims and Carlos Williams might be your best bets. 
that's actually who I have in there now. And I did play Sims last week, and he he, he dropped a 10 for me, so I can't complain there at PPR if you're right next and get that because we certainly know it could be a lot worse. So. Ooh, uh, bad blood flowing as the Patriots visit Gang Green. Obviously, uh, this is Bilal Powell versus the Brandon Bolden Bowl, right? Uh, even with Steven Jackson in town. Um, can Fitzpatrick produce enough for you to consider him, Nick? What do you think? No, I don't think so. I'm sitting all my jets if possible. Uh, we, we say it all the time. New England usually shuts down their opponent's best player. Uh, I think that's likely to be Brandon Marshall. So if I had to pick between the Jets receivers, I would prefer Eric Decker if I was forced to start one. Uh, you, you look at Chris Ivory. He's only got three 100-yard games this season and zero touchdowns in the last three weeks and averaged under two and a half yards per carry on 17 attempts versus New England earlier this year. So I, I don't trust him either. Uh, for New England, you, uh, Danny Amendola's out, so I think James White's okay in PPR format. He's probably the only running back I'd trust there. Uh, you're never going to bench Rob Gronkowski, and I think Brandon LaFell should be okay dude, just due to the lack of other receivers for Brady to throw the ball to. Yeah. Um, I love the Decker call. So, you know, people keep pounding on Ivory, and I, and I don't disagree with you, Nick, at all. Uh, on him, but he's still like um, is he still like second in the AFC? Yeah, he's still second in the AFC for rushing yards. He's got, and as bad as people, as much as people are pounding on Latavius Murray, uh, he's still close to a thousand yards, and Ivory's right next to him. I mean, they're both at nine fifty. So I mean, Chris Ivory is top ten running back for yards in the league, and he still just has had, had these struggles here these last few weeks. Um, so uh, it's just crazy. I don't. I don't think he's going to break out. But it's just crazy to look at the numbers and see that he's still up there. But so people maybe use that as justification for starting him. Um, but yeah, I, I like I said, love the deck call. Um, I really like Logan Ryan and Malcolm Butler. If you need to play both of them, I would. Or what? If you need to play one of them, I would probably go Ryan because I feel like he's going to be the matchup they'll try to uh, exploit. Uh, but um, Jets defense, obviously, you got to play Muhammad Wilkerson. He's just a beast. Um, I like Richardson this week. Got to go. Got to lean with the experienced guys over Leonard Williams. So over the young guy like Leonard Williams, I know he's got a bright future, but I think you got to lean experience there. So, well, we got through half of the games. Um, more to come, obviously. But each and every week, we like to do a little something that we call. Nick rants. It's where I give my co-host Nick the floor to kind of rant about something that's bothering him. Sometimes I call it shots fired. Sometimes I call it sometimes controversial. I said sometimes too many times. But uh, Nick, what do you got? Well, I've seen recently that uh, that Marcus Mariota is not being ruled out for Week 17, even though he's got the sprained sprained knee. And uh, also, Andrew Luck said he wants to return in Week 17, even if the Colts are eliminated from playoff contention. And I just don't understand why either of these teams would risk their future uh, their futures in a meaningless game like that doesn't make any sense. And you know what? I'm a little biased, especially when it comes to Mariota. You know, I'm a fantasy owner of him as a backup quarterback. Uh, I'm a Ducks fan. And he was the number two overall pick, just like my last favorite quarterback, Robert Griffin. And we all saw how that worked out. But you know what? At least with Griffin, the Redskins were on a playoff run. So, you know, with these two teams, what, their coach wins one more game to maybe keep their job? Both these coaches are probably getting fired. 
And even if they do win, it's going to hurt their draft stock, and they, you know, they risk being fired and hated by a city if they, you know, they throw a quarterback out there and they just get even hurt, hurt even worse. Uh, Mike Shanahan got one more year at playing Griffin. How'd that work out for him? You know, I get it. It's a player on the roster bubble. He's going to play through their injury in a meaningless game. I get that. But anyone who knows that they're going to have a job next year and this hurt should sit if they're not in playoff contention. And you know what, Indy? You know what? Even if you make the playoffs, you're not going anywhere. Let's just be realistic. <laughs> of course, of course, the players are going to want to play. Competitors want to get out there and compete, but the coaches need to be the adult and say no to the players' own good. We already know that these two quarterbacks are as tough as it gets. You know, teams need to learn from Washington's mistake. We broke Robert Griffin, body, mind, and spirit. He'll probably <laughs> never be the same. Just don't repeat the same mistake. Learn from the Redskins. Uh, yeah, great, great parallel though with Mariota and uh, and Griffin. You know, and last year this time. Everybody was. Don't forget, everybody was still on the Andrew Luck train. And last summer, Andrew Luck was the golden boy. I mean, he was the dynasty player to own above everybody else. And look where he is right now. I'm not saying he's not. And I know people are going to be writing all off season about the comeback player of the year, Andrew Luck. It's going to be awesome. I'm like, yeah, we know. We know he's good people. We didn't, we didn't forget. It's just having a down year. And he's still going to be a very good player. But yeah, why spoil either one of these guys' futures? especially since these two are quarterbacks are in the same division and we could see these guys match up twice every year in some epic games. That's got to be, that's exciting to me, especially since not only are they two, you know, two different style quarterbacks, but they just, they just had their own, you know, they had their own wavelength of excitement and what they bring to the game. And I think, I think that's going to be big. And I, and I know Tennessee's down in the dumps and, Indy could obviously be a huge playoff favorite next year, but uh, yeah, don't don't spoil it at all, please. Don't spoil it. Um, it is dynasty dilemma time. Um, I'm excited. I, I don't want to preface this, Nick. Any time that I throw somebody in here, you know I like. You don't necessarily have to pick the other person. We get we we go back and forth on the dynasty dilemma. We get to pick. We take turns choosing first, and this week we're doing Sammy Watkins versus Amari Cooper. So Nick took Watkins and let me have my guy Cooper, which is totally fine, but I'm just saying you don't have to do that. Like I said so that one time where I chose Kelvin Fry over Landon Collins, I like to sometimes look at the bad of players that I like. But let's get to this dynasty dilemma. Uh, Nick will go first. Now, I'll admit this may be the closest dilemma I can remember doing uh, both these players are of similar, nearly identical size. Uh, Watkins is only one year older, and both players also have exciting young quarterbacks and were very high draft picks. You know, hell, if you're in a startup draft next summer, both these guys are available, and you just flip a coin to decide which, I wouldn't fault you for that. So why did I pick Sammy Watkins for this dilemma? Two reasons, his situation and his passion. I'll start with the passion. You know, and forget those comments earlier this year about him needing the ball more. Every wide receiver does that when the team's struggling. But I loved his post-game comments Sunday after the loss to Washington about accountability. Forget about people's feelings. We need to call people out. If I'm not doing my job, call me out. If the player isn't doing their job, cut him. He included himself in those statements. I love that. I just love a guy who can't stand losing. A guy like that wouldn't I wouldn't think would do touchdown dances when he's down by 28 points. 
I didn't research that, full disclaimer. I'm just assuming. And, you know, I don't think that uh, Sammy Watkins is going to mail it in at the end of the season when his team's eliminated from the playoffs either. But their situation is the real tiebreaker to me. Derek Carr just has better weapons, a.k.a. target thieves, to work with. Throw out Percy Harvin. Who knows if he'll ever be back. So the wide receiver two, Crabtree, I would say, is better than Robert Woods. Uh, wide receiver three, Andre Holmes, I think, is better than Chris Hogan. Uh, the tight end, Charles Clay in Buffalo, is probably better than Clive Wolf- Walford today, but I love Walford's future upside once he learns the position. Remember, tight ends take a little bit of time to develop, usually. So with so many young, ta- uh, talented pass catchers, there's bound to be down weeks for Cooper, uh, like week 11 at Detroit, one catch for four yards. Week 14, zero catches. You know, nothing like a goose egg in your fantasy playoffs. You know, you're going to be stoked if you land either of these guys, but I just give the slight edge to Sammy Watkins. Josh? Okay. Um, you can tell you're not a Raider fan because Seth Roberts is wide receiver three, not not Andre Holmes. He shows up every now and then, catches a touchdown pass, but he's 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 gone. Um, remember how much the Raiders disrespected him last off season. Uh, but anyway, sorry. Amari Cooper has shown some inconsistencies so far, but I there's no denying that Cooper is the future for the silver and black. Uh, with Michael Crabtree, Crabtree, excuse me, already extended. Two hungry young tight ends that Derek Carr loves, and the emergence of fellow rookie wide receiver Seth Roberts. Cooper and the Raiders appear destined for great things. Uh, Pre 2015 draft, Cooper was considered to be the best wide receiver, but no one wanted to say that he was more dynamic than West Virginia's Kevin White. Uh, remember, Cooper was simply the most polished. Well, Kevin White's athleticism could not overcome a nasty leg injury, and he has yet to play an NFL snap. And while Cooper has had two bad games, the whole maturity, the whole maturity per, per productivity in his game is greater than his down moments. I, if you personally would lean Watkins in this dilemma, I would like to also ask you if you would choose Tyrod Taylor over Derek Carr, because that's essentially what you are doing granted these players are granted both these wide receivers are superior athletes who could enhance any signal caller and i do realize when you draft either watkins or cooper in your startup next year that you are not restricted to to then draft their qb but yes in a sense you are beholden to them let's really break this down with doing some pros and cons what first watkins pros um Pros, he runs with exciting burst, and his long speed is quite possibly unmatched. He has great hands, and, and he's a pinpoint route runner. Cons, durability. Lackluster, it has been lackluster so far at the NFL level. And I know Nick kind of swept it under the rug, but his, his mouth has not done him any favors with the city of Buffalo Bills fans or the Bills staff. That was in the past, and he seemed to have made made a nice turnaround lately. But um, finally, the final con, the QB situation and the run-first offense means his touches, I think, will always be limited. Uh, Amari Cooper, pros. Oh, yeah, he is so polished. He is Polish. He's so polished. While he has some, he's had some typical rookie blunders, and he has not looked lost like so many rookies do at this point in time during the season. Um, and so many rookies have before and after him will. Sticky mitts combined with the rifle of Derek Carr is in a, in a mostly pass-happy scheme where he can, he's already been knighted wide receiver one. Cons, he does have the two bad games. And quality, 
and the quality cornerbacks in this division, like Jason Brett, Marcus Peters, Chris Harris, Keem Tlaib, uh, and not to mention the lackluster cornerback play in Oakland for him to match up against in practice every week. So did a little bit differently this time with the dynasty dilemma. I like the pros and cons issue, even though I said some cons for my guy. I just, I think you're kind of, I was even kind of stretching there, but I, and I know this is a bad dilemma for me to put my side on a Raider because my heart gets into it. But uh, I think I'll go Cooper just a little bit younger. And just, I think he's shown more so far, but uh, again, the, the speed, the the long breakaway speed I see from Watkins is quite possibly just ridiculous. Any rebuttal there, Nick? Well, you mentioned their quarterback situations, and I do agree with you that Derek Carr is probably more likely than Tyrod Taylor to have a long, uh, uh, productive career. But you know what? I think both of these players are similar to uh, DeAndre Hopkins in the fact that they're so talented that they're almost quarterback-proof. No matter who you got under center, these guys are likely to produce. So, you know, that I don't really worry about. And I will say it's close enough that if they were to switch teams, I would probably go with Cooper if he was in Buffalo over – over uh, Watkins if he was in Oakland, just because of the situations. I think that, you know, less surrounding talent uh, to throw to is going to mean more targets for him. That's just my gut feeling. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, very good point. And if you heard that, Brandon Whedon, just throw to DeAndre Hopkins. That's all you need to do, but <laughs> come on, you can do it. Um, let's get back to these uh, the sit or start insanity part two. Pittsburgh. At Baltimore, oh my gosh, this game's always so awesome, Nick. But this week, ugh, this is potential blood. Maybe this potential bloodbath does limit the Steelers' passing check. And after all, Ben, Big Ben has suffered through about 20 injuries this season already, right? Yeah, that is true. But you know what? If you didn't sit your start your Steelers last week versus Denver's awesome defense, and hopefully you didn't, uh, you're going to be starting them all again this week. Uh, as far as Baltimore goes, if Clawson plays, then I think Kamar Aiken is a decent play. He had eight catches for 128 yards and a score last week. But if it's Ryan Mallett who arrived in Baltimore very late in the season, then I think Aiken is a little bit riskier. Uh, Buck Allen was called out by the head coach Harbaugh for stumbling, and his backup is Terrence West. So I, I wouldn't trust either of those guys. Yeah. Don't start anybody in Baltimore in this game. Even even maybe some of the IDP guys might be a little enticing. Yeah, don't. Um, I like, why can't I think of his name? What is the, the rookie outside linebacker for Pittsburgh, Kentucky? What is his name? Um, oh, Bud Dupree? Yeah, Bud Dupree. Love Bud Dupree in this game. Um, and even though they maybe don't look like it uh, uh, on the season stat-wise, the the uh, corners in this game for Pittsburgh, William Gay, obviously. We we know what kind of dances he does. But even any of the secondary guys, even though they haven't been great this year, I think you got to roll with any of them just because we're going to see them put up the ball a lot in this game. So um, this may remind me that Matt Schaub's still making $3 million for his part in this season. <laughs> uh, Jimmy Clausen's going to have to. Jimmy Claus might set a career mark for uh, passes thrown in this game. And I really want to believe that D'Angelo Williams is, is the best play in this game. I mean, it seems way too easy to say this guy scores through touchdowns, but why Why not? I mean, it, I, if I was going to put money whether or not he was going to score, you know, if the over-under was at two, I would certainly put money on the over because I've given the ball 30 times and, and call it a game, really. 
Uh, Dallas at Buffalo. Sammy Watkins, yes. All of the offensive players need – Sammy Watkins, yes, and all other offensive players from Buffalo I don't think need to apply. What do you think, Nick? Well, Buffalo is dealing with some injuries. Yeah, yeah. With LaShawn McCoy out with that knee injury, I I think Carlos Williams is a decent start. I think he's going to see more work than Jill Slee, but many people think the opposite. I think both those running backs are a boomer bust there. Uh, Now, Robert Woods is also hurt, so Chris Hogan is likely going to see an uptick in targets. He's not a guy you'd be stoked about starting, but, you know, desperate times, you know. Uh, Darren McFadden's the only Dallas player to start. Des Bryant, he's going to be fine next year. You mentioned Andrew Luck, comeback player of the year. Des Bryant might give him a run for his money. But Des, Des obviously is not healthy right now. You know, if you need a high floor, low ceiling tight end, uh, Jason Witten's probably good for, you know, four catches, 30 yards of the floor. You could do worse than that, I guess. Okay. Uh, well, it's no secret you're probably playing – Sean Lee and Preston Brown in this game. Those guys are still safety nets for tackles. Love Nikel Roby. Um, is that his name? Uh, the, sorry, the, D, the DB there for uh, Nikel something, the DB for Buffalo. Obviously, Graham, if you play, if you have Graham, you've used him a lot this year. And, of course, the uh, uh, Ronald Darby is still, still the man. I love, uh, it'll be, even though it's a bad QB situation for Dallas, it's, it'll be interesting to watch him match up against Des Bryant and see what he can do there with Stephon Gilmore done for the year. Uh, Robert Woods has also been put on IR, so he's definitely not playing for Buffalo with this game. Uh, Chicago at Tampa. Old rivalries die hard, but Winston and Doug Martin should be okay, right, Nick? I think so. You know, some of these games I almost feel like a broken record from last week, and that goes for both of these teams. The Chicago running backs, it's about a 60-40 split in favor of uh, Langford. Alshon Jeffrey and the tight end Miller are the only two guys I'd really trust for the Bears. Now, with uh, the Buccaneers, Doug Martin seems to approach 20 carries every week, so he and Charles Sims as a flex in PPR leagues anyway. Both of those guys are pretty good starts, as well as Mike Evans. 17 targets last week. You know, with Vincent Jackson out, they just forced feed the ball to him. Uh, you could also roll the dice on Austin Sperry and Jenkins to find the end zone. Uh, as far as quarterbacks go, you know, if you're going to trust a rookie or Jay Cutler in your championship game, who knows, you could be right, but i got to say you're braver than I am. <sighs> yeah. I... And I know he hasn't been wowing people all year, and maybe that's just because it's not an IDP thing. But Werner versus Jeffrey is a great matchup, and I would probably lean uh, Werner, Werner in this situation. Not necessarily stats, but I think that's going to maybe uh, he's going to maybe control Jeffrey a little bit more than a lot of people want to give him credit for. So, um, and in in turn, I would think that would push me Winston over Cutler. I. I know it sounds crazy, but it is in Tampa, and I, I would certainly go go that way. Uh, Levante David obviously a start. Christian Jones still uh, still questionable there for uh, Chicago. So uh, it, it sucks because he's ha- he was having such a good year, but uh, I guess he is off the injury report, so maybe he is going to play now this week. Um, and Jeffrey still got that hamstring too. That's going to maybe uh, limit him somewhat there too. So. Um, uh, Gerald McCoy, obviously a, a decent start up front there as well for uh, for Tampa, and uh, is it Jacquez Smith, the defensive end there? Uh, I I like him, especially with some other DL linemen questionable there for uh, for Tampa. So certainly consider him. 
Uh, Vincent Jackson is currently questionable, too. I think Nick mentioned his name. I just want to make sure people know that he's questionable and did not practice uh, yesterday. Or, excuse me, did not practice today. Um, so we'll leave it at that. Uh, Jacksonville at uh, – you know what, Nick? I'm sorry. I want to interject one thing before I forget about it. it, it we are going to talk about it in the next game. But what do you think about – and we'll talk about another duel here about what do you think? Somebody asked me this question this morning on on, uh, on Facebook. Aaron Rodgers this week versus Arizona, or your guy Kirk Cousins versus the Eagles? I mean, obviously Rodgers is the guy that got you there. But do you go to the hotter hand in that situation? What do you think? Uh, I, I know it's tempting, especially like you mentioned, Kirk Cousins coming off a five-touchdown game. But I, I just have a feeling that that Green Bay-Arizona game is going to be a real shootout. So I think I would still roll with Rodgers, although I do understand the the idea of saying Rodgers. Because, I mean, yeah, he's yeah. coming off a 200-yard game. So Yeah, it's not a, it's not a risky play by any means. But uh, you just, yeah. Um, yeah, you just got, you got to remember what, what got you there. You wouldn't, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers rented a limo and brought you to the prom. You're going to go home with him, right? I mean, that's just, that's what it comes down to. So. Um, Jacksonville at New Orleans. Is that the next game? Yeah, Jacksonville at that New is. Orleans. What do you got? Well, the sprained foot scares me away from Denard Robinson. He's got a very high ceiling, but just the lowest of floors if he were to tweak that foot. Uh, I'm starting everybody in the Jaguars' passing attack, except for Marquise Lee, of course. But don't look now. Marquise Lee actually did outperform Alan Hearns last week and was the number two play in SportsCenter's top ten with a great catch, you know. Hopefully that's something he can build on for next year. Uh, as far as the Saints go, I think Tim Hightower is the only must-start for me. Uh, does Drew Brees play through the same injury that derailed Peyton Manning? And if he does, does he destroy his teammates? fantasy value in doing so, like Fanning did. And, I mean, whether you start Brandon Cooks, uh, Ben Watson, Willie Sneed, just all depends on your depth right now. They're definitely not must-starts. They're they're pretty risky with that uh, Drew Brees injury. And uh, I believe it's Nat Flynn is the next in line if he's unable to go. Yeah. <laughs> start Devon House, I think, no matter what, cornerback there in Jacksonville. I think that's a great play. I am starting him. That's why I say it with so much confidence. Uh, we think can Boros continue to crush after kind of somewhat of a mediocre performance uh, versus Atlanta? I was a little surprised by that, but it's the New Orleans secondary. I don't care if this game is in Mexico, Switzerland, Africa. It's it's in New Orleans on turf, and that's, that's good for the fleet of wide receivers. I love Boros in this game. Um, yeah, we'll see. It, I mean, what does New Orleans think of even playing Breeze in this game? I, I mean, obviously he's whatever. It's not like he's he's the future of this team for the next ten years, and maybe that comes into play with them. But why why even roll him out there? Um, uh, obviously, Telvin Smith's the man. Um, so is Stephon Anthony. They continue to crush. I don't like the I can't even the guy with the Samoan guy for New Orleans defense. I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name. My lips too fast for that right now, but uh, I like like him in this game. I do not see me. I do not like him in this game. Bortles moves around a little too much. You know that was one of the things about him coming out is people thought he was going to be somewhat of a runner, and that necessarily hasn't been the case. But he does avoid avoid things better. And like you said earlier, with uh, when you started the show talking about Robert Griffin, 
let him play through his struggles. Look what Bortles was doing last year, throwing all his picks. Look what he's doing now. They're not a playoff team, but look what he's doing. And look what he look what they have to build on. I mean, they got they got Yeldon who's been doing great things. They have this fleet of receivers. Be excited about Jacksonville, finally. Um Green Bay at Arizona, what do you got? Well, congratulations to you if you have Green Bay players and survived. Uh, my opponent had Aaron Rodgers and did not. Uh, that being said, if Green Bay wins out and Arizona loses out, I believe the first tiebreaker is head-to-head, right? So if that's the case, then this is a very important game for both teams. I think it's going to be just a shootout in the desert. I'm starting everybody from both teams with the edge to the Cardinals players over the Packers players at every position. The Packers just come with a little bit more risk. Yeah, most definitely. And what do you think about Carson Palmer versus Aaron Rodgers? Uh, I would go with Carson Palmer. He's just got better targets to work with. He's got the three solid receivers there, plus uh, David Johnson's really maturing coming out of the backfield, the rookie running back. So I would go with Carson Palmer over Rodgers. Okay. Um, Morgan Burnett and Deion Buchanan, those guys you have to play for the the defensive side of the ball. Um, I like like Palmer as well. I think that's that's a fair, fair statement there. Oh, St. Louis at Seattle. Are you brave enough to continue to keep Todd Gurley in your lineup this week, Nick? What do you think? So, well, surprise, it's late December and the Seahawks are rolling. Uh, Doug Baldwin might be the hottest player in the NFL right now. Three touchdowns, two touchdowns, three touchdowns, two touchdowns. That's his last four games. So let's hope that that pattern continues for one more game. Uh, He, Lockett, and Curse are all solid plays, uh, ranked in that order probably. Now, Todd Gurley, what to do? Uh, I would sit him if at all possible. You know, if you have him, you probably have to start him and hope. But, you know, if you've been good and Santa's brought you, say, Sharkandrick West, David Johnson, and James Starks on the waiver wire this year, then I think by, by all means sit him, but only if you have other better solid options. And I would probably sit the rest of the Rams as well. Okay. Um, play Doug Baldwin. <laughs> Did you say that? Um The Giants, quite possibly OBJ list at Minnesota, flex to the Sunday night game. Can you trust Daniel Hunter in this all important week, Nick? And is Stefan Diggs a safe play? What do you think? Well, you know, if Odell Beckham is suspended and that suspension's upheld, uh, Reuben Randall, I think, is a start. Will Ty is also a pretty good play at tight end uh, either way. And Dwayne Harris enters the conversation if Beckham's out. Uh, both Vereen and Jennings had good games last week, but that just feels like a trap to me. That new the Giants' backfield's been really tough to trust this season. Uh, you, you know, and I think uh, Beckham being out actually hurts the running backs' values just because the Giants are less likely to score. Uh, you start Adrian Peterson if he plays, which he says he's going to. If he doesn't, then uh, McKinnon becomes a start. Uh, Diggs and I think Kyle Rudolph are the only pass catchers that I would consider for Minnesota. Even you know, even though Bridgewater's coming off the five-touchdown game, that was easily the highest-producing uh, game in his career. Uh, I would give the slight edge to Eli, uh, even with the Odell Beckham suspension over Teddy Bridgewater this week. It would be a pretty wide margin to, on Eli's side, though, if the suspension was overturned. Yeah, I, I think I'll go Bridgewater just because the secondary, especially the corners, are just not good. And I know wide, wide receivers in Minnesota aren't great, but I just don't, don't love it at all. Um, and I like Daniel Hunter. A couple sacks last week. Giants offensive line is not great. Barr is, 
is still hurt there for Minnesota. Love it. Uh, Cincy at Denver, potential backup QB bowl with two meh running games. What do you think, Nick? Well, I think I'd, I would think long and hard about starting anybody in this game. You know, Green Bay, Arizona feels like it's going to be a shootout. This one feels like it's going to be a slugfest. If A.J. Green's healthy, I think I'd start him probably. You know, I, you probably, if you don't have a lot of depth, then you're going to have to start Jeremy Hill and Giovanni Bernard. Uh, Tyler Eifert, I think he... I, I think he's not uh, been cleared to play from that concussion yet. If he does play, you're going to start him. But all of these guys have very low ceilings this week. Uh, Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders are both coming off good games, but now both of the quarterbacks are dinged up. Manning's not practicing. Osweiler looked awful after getting hurt last week. I would hesitate to start either of those guys. And the Denver running backs pretty much cancel each other out. If C.J. Anderson sits, then Hillman's becomes a, a low running back too, maybe a flex. But if both of them play, it's tough to start either of them. And you say no on both Cincy backs? I mean, the running back position is so thin. I get you probably have to start them unless, like, you're in a situation where you have better options. But I think a lot of people would not. Yeah. And it's uh, the weird question is, let me ask you this, Nick. And I and I told Chuck to call, and now he's mad because he's been on hold for so long. I'm sure, but Anderson Hillman. Bernard Hill. If you're picking one of those guys to score a touchdown, certainly it's going to be Jeremy Hill, right? Yes, definitely. Even against that vaunted Denver D. I don't know. They 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 were certainly exposed last week. So, um, yeah, defensive wise, Perfect's coming on. I I like what he's doing, and if you've been sitting on him and waiting ready to roll him, I know it's a risk, but I, I like that. Um, obviously the the I think you got to play both the cornerbacks in this game too, both Tlaib and uh, and Chris Harris, because I think they'll be mixing and matching on uh, AJ Green. Eifert's still a, still questionable with a concussion. But that's certainly a situation to monitor, and that's big if they don't have him again. I think that's really big. So uh, just just look at that. That's, uh, should I start insanity for this championship week? Sorry, my lip has continued to get fat. But anyway, we're going to patch Mr. Chuck Kabeski through it here as we get to some ATS picks. Mary, Oh, I was waiting for my music. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> my computer was slow there, too. Merry Christmas to you in Las Vegas. What's up, buddy? Very Merry Christmas to you, too. I just uh, I had a, before we get to ATS, I had a fantasy football profound thought for you. All right. Since this is a fantasy football show, right, I guess. Okay, anyway, um, a friend of mine lamenting all season about all the players he had that got injured and are out for the season. He was uh, he was really, really hurt by injuries. And I started thinking about, you know, what's my excuse? Because uh, I'm playing for the Sacco this week. I'm, I'm playing for the bottom, of the, the bottom of the league this week. And I'm thinking, you know, I – I think I would rather have guys that get injured and get put on injured reserve for the rest of the season rather than some of the guys that I have, like Eddie Lacy and uh, Randall Cobb and C.J. Anderson, you know, the guys I, I felt were the stalwarts of my uh, of my fantasy team this year. The guys that 
don't do badly enough to drop them, but don't do well enough to win you games. And I've been and, and I've been playing with them all years. So, so anybody out there who's complaining about injuries and guys getting out for the rest of the year, at least you had a chance to replace them with somebody productive. And uh, you know, guys like me, and I'm sure there's a lot of guys out there that have, they have these guys that they thought were going to be good at the first of the season. And if they really would have, if they would have gotten injured, at least you could have got them off the team. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, and at least you would have had an excuse. <laughs> That's right, yeah. I mean, I yeah. just had guys that didn't <laughs> perform all year. So, you know, this last game of the season, I just, you know, I picked up guys like Cameron Artis Payne and Willie Sneed, you know, the guys that guys that seem to, to really want it, you know. Sometimes you, you just got to have guys that want to play on, on your team, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Who did I pick up this week? Oh, and Christine Michael. And uh, you know, you know, guys that uh, guys that are going to go out and give you a run and at least give you a chance to to have something this week. I think I still have to play CJ, but anyway, let's. Uh, sorry about that. I got on a rant. Let's uh, let's let's play football. Yes, Thursday night, San Diego visiting the Oakland Raiders. What do you got? Uh, the Raiders, uh, actually, I, I went this morning and looked at the lines, and they were six and a half, and about an hour later, or they, it was Oakland was favored by six, and about an hour later, it was up to six and a half, so I'm going to check it again for you real quick here and see if it's gone up again. Uh, no, still six and a half, Josh. Ouch. I was, look, I was looking at five, and I didn't like that, so only because it's a division game. I got to take San Diego in this game. I it this this game is always a lot better than people think it's going to be every time they play, no matter what, you know, whether whether in San Diego or Oakland or sharing the same stadium next to in Los Angeles. This game is always a lot closer and better than people think. So I'm going to take San Diego. Give me those points. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to go the other way. I think uh, last week for the Chargers, their home finale was kind of like their Super Bowl in a way. I think they pretty much left it all out on the field last week, and so they're in for a letdown game this week, and I think the Raiders win big. Yeah, Josh, you said you were you were looking at five. It's interesting to look at the history on this game because it, it, it's been uh, money on both sides. It started out with the Raiders favored by six. They went down to five and a half, and then all the way down to five, and then back up to five and a half, and six, and then six and a half. So there's been a lot of Oakland money the last couple of days, whereas uh, it started out with uh, with San Diego money. So um, I'm going to go with you, Josh, this time. Although um, Nick, I can see your point on the fact that, and that's one thing I thought about when uh, uh, when I was looking at this game was uh, you know San Diego's Super Bowl last week. But I think there's a little, a little. There'll be a little venom in uh, in Philip Rivers' play this week. He he got uh, he didn't make the Pro Bowl this year, and a lot of times players will feel jilted and come out and play a heck of a game. And in a division game like this between the uh, Chargers and Raiders, I'm going to take six and a half points. So I'll side with the Chargers here. Uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of points. That's that's all I think. Wow, that's why I'm placing my nickel bag of funk on the Chargers. Uh, Philadelphia hosting the Washington Redskins. Nick's Washington Redskins. What do you got, Chuck? Okay. What, nickel at, home, the, at home, the Eagles are favored by three points over the Redskins in this crazy division. 
What do you think, Nick? Uh, i got to take the Redskins to win this on the road and just hope that they don't let me down as they do almost every year. <clears throat> now, you know, uh, as I so often refer to my guy here, Casillas, because I love him so much, EK always says before he decides on his, you know, four hot picks for the week or whatever, he always just goes through the games and writes on what he thinks the line's going to be, and then when he sees the, you know, the inconsistencies, that's kind of where how he figures out his picks. Now, if I was to pick this line, I would say pick them. I just think it was a pick them. So I, I guess I have to go uh, Washington this game. Is it a clean sweep there, Chuck? No, no, not, not at all. No. Uh, Washington, the Redskins are uh, are bad on the road, and uh, the the Eagles. Just when you think they're they're at their worst, they always perform. And and who know? I mean, you know, in this season, think about the the season Philadelphia has had. Uh, they can still win their last two games, and uh, and win that division. So. Um, you know, I'm just going to go with uh, Washington being bad on the road and Philadelphia needing to win. I hope they win by, you know, at least a field goal. It may be a, you know, one or two point win, but I'm going to I'm going to take the uh, Eagles and give up the points on this one. Uh, what if they tie? What th- then? What happens? <laughs> oh, who knows? Are the Giants the division winners by default for at least a couple hours? <laughs> um, the and Roger Goodell, Roger Goodell's head blows up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think a lot of people would cheer for that. Um, Carolina at Atlanta. We have a home team dog, don't we there, Chuck? Yeah, we do. The Carolina Panthers are favored by seven. Uh, over, I'm seeing, well, I, no, I was going to say, I was going to say I was seeing some seven and a half. Yeah, I do see one seven and a half. And one six and a half, but uh, for our purposes at the Westgate here in Las Vegas, it's a seven-point spread. I love it, love it, love it, love it, and I didn't want to pick a seven and a half anyway, so I'll take Carol. I'll take uh, Carolina with the uh, seven. And I initially wrote down Atlanta because I thought it was going to be seven and a half, but I'm tipping the scale to Carolina since it's only seven. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I agree with you. You know, Carolina does not have home field advantage wrapped up yet, so they still have something to play for this week. So I think the Panthers come out and win big. Well, I'm going to be contrarian again here. Uh, it was an emotional win for Carolina last week. Um, and I just, you know, I've been predicting this all season, so you guys are probably going to be right. I keep going against Carolina <laughs> losing, but – I'm going to do it one more time. I think Atlanta will uh, has one last hurrah, and I mean it'll, it'll be a close game. It's a divisional game. I think Carolina will probably win, you know, like they did last week against the Giants with a field goal at the end of the game. But uh, I will take the Atlanta Falcons plus those points. Uh, you know, I he- kind of hear what you're saying, Chuck, but I feel like if this if it would happen the other way around, where Carolina had mounted this huge comeback. To win this game, I think it would have. Been, I think it would be a little bit different. I think, I think they kind of let their guard down and they maybe scared them a little bit. So I don't think that's going to happen this week. You know, and since last yeah. time these two teams played, it was like what, eighty-three to nothing. I just don't see it's going to come any, any that much closer than 
than the seven points. So um, yeah, well, let me say this about that: this, this, these are getting down toward the weekends where you don't know who wants to play and who does want to play. So you can't go wrong in picking Carolina because they still have a reason to play. But um, I, I, I just would rather take the home team dog on this one. You guys may be right. Uh, it, I'm just going to take the home team plus seven. Yep, and the home team dog above a field goal hits about two thirds of the time. So certainly, certainly, check check that box there too. Uh, yeah. Dallas well, at Buffalo, and uh, we have the Cowboys getting six points at Buffalo against the uh, Bills. Whew, that's a tough one. Um, I think I think I'm going to go Buffalo in this game. Don't love it, but uh, Buffalo at home against the Cowboys team that's using their 12th quarterback this year. Yeah, why not? Nick Wazing. Yeah, you know, I know it's a lot of points, especially with the injuries Buffalo is dealing with right now. But like you mentioned, Dallas without Tony Romo is just barely even an NFL team. So I, I got to go with the Mills. <laughs> wow. I've been going with you guys at all this week. Um, I'm taking I'm taking the Cowboys for one reason on this game, and that's just I, I, I like Kellen. Even though he threw three interceptions last week, I like Kellen Moore's energy. I like the fact that uh, they've, they've got a new guy there who is – who is interested in playing? I just don't think Castle had any interest in in, in playing the game. I you know I like I like Moore's mobility, and I'm going to take the uh, the Cowboys plus six here to keep it close. Is I kept meaning to look this up. Kellen Moore is he Boise State? Anybody know? Yeah. Boise State product? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He was on the Lions for quite a while. Yeah, and there's too many. Um, they're not too many, but the Kellen Clemens and Oregon Ducks always confuse me with, uh, yeah, too many Kellens playing quarterback. One too many Kellens. Um, <laughs> did you, ooh, I called this the gold and silver toilet bowl earlier. If San Francisco visits Detroit, ooh, is this approaching double digits? Yeah, if you want to take the Lions, you're going to have to give up nine and a half points. Well, the Lions are, just, are not a team that should be favored by that many points. So I'm taking San Francisco. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I'm with you. That's just way too many points, uh, especially as the Lions players point out they're playing against the refs every week too. So, I mean, yeah, for just a, yeah, I can't pick them to win by double digits almost. Yeah, I'm going to take San Francisco for the same reason. You've got a team that's only won five games this year, uh, giving up nine and a half points. That just looks – looks crazy so for that reason i'm taking the 49ers who in spots have looked pretty good this year and i will we'll look for them to look good again plus nine and a half go niners all right and that's our first clean sweep we finally did it how about that really awkward awkward when we didn't get one um sorry can't houston at tennessee Brandon Whedon versus Zach Mettenberger. Try not to yawn, Chuck. What do you got? <laughs> There's been no uh, no line on this game at all. I even looked for, uh, you know, maybe an earlier line. There's no line. What do you? I, I I can't imagine it would be any better than a. I mean, you know, it's probably pretty close to a pick'em, don't you think? Do I, I want? And I know. I, I want to say this carefully. 
because and I, I know it's going to sound the wrong thing since I played last week, but does Andrew Luck playing or not come into situations in this game for Houston? I mean, would they would they maybe try to slip Brian Hoyer in this game if Andrew Luck was playing for the Colts in, a, in the other game? <laughs> um, but uh, interesting, I don't know yeah. Well, I, I, I think I, the big the, the big delay on this is the fact that they don't know if Brian Hoyer is playing or not. Uh, but I, I, I've lost track of who's going to play if he doesn't play. Brandon Whedon. Oof. Oh, Whedon. Well, he didn't do bad last yes. week. Yeah, and maybe a full week of practice helps him out. But uh, uh, let's just call it a pick 'em, and I'm going to okay. go. I'm going to go with Houston. I just even though it's Brandon Whedon. So you don't got to lay any points since I just declared it that way. So I'll take uh, I'll take Houston. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I'll also go with Houston. And Brandon Whedon gets his second win of the year, and uh, Jerry Jones has a little seller's remorse. <laughs> you know what? I had Tennessee picked, but I'm going to take Houston just to give us a clean sweep. Um, it could go either way. Uh, seriously. I don't. I don't know how, whether Tennessee is interested in playing anymore. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and take Houston on this one. They're tanking for Bosa or Tunzel, I think, at this point. Um, although Mariota, as Nick said earlier, has not been officially ruled out for the next week. Oh, here we go. Cleveland at Kansas City. Now we're getting up there, close to two touchdown range, maybe. Nice. Twelve and a half points. Kansas City's favored by twelve and a half over Cleveland. Kansas City covered last week, right? They just Yes, they did. Yeah, they just continue to cover. Why is it gonna be any different, right? So I'll take I'll take Kansas City minus twelve and a did you say twelve and a half? Twelve and a half points. I'll take it. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, like you said, Kansas City's on a roll. They won by 20 last week so against uh, Baltimore. I think Cleveland and Baltimore are right around the same uh, talent-wise. So, yeah, I'll take the Chiefs to cover. Yeah, well, you got to keep in mind that the uh, the Chiefs covered last week with three defensive touchdowns. Um, I think Cleveland's going to give them a little bit of a game. I'll, I'll, I'll take the Browns plus 12 and a half. Uh, one thing I should say here, uh, you guys, and I forgot to, to talk about it at the top of this. Um, it was one of the worst one of the worst weekends for the uh, Las Vegas sports books ever last week. Uh, and that's because a lot of the favorites won. I mean, just as in fact, most of the favorites, everybody was on uh, everybody was on the Steelers, everybody was on the uh, New England Patriots. I don't know what some of the other games were, but uh, the books just when favorites come in, the books lose because uh, because fans bet favorites, and there was just favorite after favorite. The Vikings came in a winner. Um, well, I can't. The Cardinals came in a winner. Uh, the Patriots, the Seahawks got a late touchdown and beat the spread there. <clears throat> the uh, Packers got a late touchdown and beat the spread there. They're, they they really got massacred. So, um, you know, one of the things that is keeping me from betting, from uh, going with these big favorites, is that uh, the books always get it back. <laughs> I'm looking for a weekend for some underdogs here too. That isn't the sole reason, but you you got to be careful on the uh, on the favorites. All right. Mm-hmm. 
the sermon is over. <laughs> uh, so you took you took Cleveland that one, okay? Um, yes, I'm taking Cleveland. And I'm and I didn't forget, but I'm assuming you're mentioned of all the Kansas City defensive touchdowns was your excuse for picking the Ravens last week. Both of you guys remember remember we talked about this. Well, yeah, I mean, take those away. No, the the Ravens are just pitiful. Well, one of the reasons that I like Cleveland also is that Cleveland's uh, weakness on defense is is defending the the wide receivers, and that's that's Kansas City's weakness on offense. So I'm going to look for a little closer game. Fair point, fair point. Um, Where are we at? Indianapolis at Miami. Can we just not have to pick Indianapolis games anymore? <laughs> Can they just not play uh, the game? Um. <laughs> yeah, the, Dolph- the Dolphins are one-and-a-half-point favorites, so, you know, you're basically saying pick a winner, but, you know, one-and-a-half is one-and-a-half. I'm having trouble trying to find a who-cares game of the week, and this isn't it because Indy could still be a playoff team, even though they'll get select if that is the case. But this, I mean – Dallas, the public loves Dallas way too much for it to be Dallas at Buffalo. So this is this has got to be as close as we're going to get this week, I think. So, um, uh, I'll take the Colts. I don't really know why, and don't care if I get it wrong. Nick, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I think Colts have something to play for. Whereas, you know, if Miami had a decent coaching staff that actually realized that when they give Lamar Miller the ball, they win, then I would probably go with Miami Dolphins. But they don't, and they completely ignore their best players. So I don't know how you can trust them. Got to go with the Colts. Well, I think they're liking Jay Ajay down in Miami now. I don't know what the deal is with that. Maybe they want to see what he has. Uh, who, who knows? Um, I had heard an interesting quote from Chuck Pagano this week. He said that uh, that Matthew Matt Hasselbeck was beat up from the feet up. Uh, he's just he is just not feeling too good. Uh, I, I got to think Sue and company are going to get to him. I'm going to take Miami in this one. This is how raucous the NFL is. Look at where Houston is right now. And do you guys remember October 25th, Miami played Houston and destroyed them 44 to 26. Mm-hmm. I mean, remember that? <laughs> Lamar Miller looked like a Walter Payton, 175 yards on the ground. It's just crazy to think that. Uh, so, um, with that, I think we're moving on to the next game. Ooh, bad blood. Pats at Gang Green. What do you got, Chuck? Uh, Pats by just a little over a field goal, three and a half points. New England is the favorite. Okay, three and a half, huh? I don't like that hook, especially since the, that makes it a, a big a over field goal home team dog. I'm going to take take the Jets. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to go the other way. Anytime I can get the Patriots at only three and a half points and they're not playing somebody along the lines of Carolina or Seattle or somebody like that, I'm going to go with the Patriots. Yeah, if the Patriots didn't have anything to play for here, I'd uh, probably go with the Jets. They probably wouldn't be favored by that much either. Uh, Brady was uh, a little bit under the weather last week. I look for him to come out and be uh, feeling good this week. New England needs just one win to wrap up a, uh, a home playoff spot, so um, big spot for them, and I'm going to take the uh, Patriots. Okay, Tampa 
hosting Chicago. I suppose this could be in who who cares running, right? We Tampa's definitely Tampa's pretty close to be getting chopped. Um, so uh, what do you got, Chuck? Tampa Bay favored by three here, my friend. I'll, I'll go with it. It's in Tampa. Um, even though Chicago's D has looked better, they they certainly missed Christian Jones last week, and I know he's going to be back. Uh, but uh, I I think there's too many weapons for Tampa to uh, to go. And I should have let you pick first, Chuck. I'm sorry, it's your Bears. What do you got? Well, that's all right. <laughs> I'm picking against the Bears, and I just have two words written down here: Tampa Bay. Uh, under Tampa Bay, I just wrote trying harder, and I think they care more <laughs> there at home. And uh, there's no other reason to, you know, the Bears. Whenever I, they just don't. They just uh, every week are not what I expect. You know, whether that's expecting bad or expecting good, they they always surprise me. So, you know, if I pick Tampa Bay, then the Bears should win pretty easily. All right, Nick, what do you think? Well, you mentioned that the Bears are tough to predict, but uh, the fact that they're underdogs in this game almost makes me think that they're going to come out and win the game, especially since it's on the road. The Bears have been really bad at home this year, but they've been a pretty decent road team, so I'm going to go with Chicago. Good for you, Nick. Okay. Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, backing up, did we did we all pick the Colts? Uh, did we do that game yet? No, I took Miami. Okay. All right. Only two clean sweeps so far. All right. Um, Pittsburgh at Baltimore. Before you say the spread, I just want to say that I've already predicted the score to be 40-3 to three Pittsburgh. Chuck, what do you got for us? <coughs> Pittsburgh is favored by, by double digits by 10 points. And, and I'm really nice to Baltimore giving them that field goal. 10 points, huh? Oh, uh, yeah. Pittsburgh. What? Yeah. Definitely Pittsburgh. I think I would feel comfortable Pittsburgh minus 13. I know it sounds way too easy, but uh, it it is, right? Right, Nick? Yeah, I agree with you. This Pittsburgh offense looks unstoppable right now, so I've got to go with the Steelers. I'm going to go again with the uh, Baltimore Ravens. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look at, I mean, okay, Uh, look at how crazy it sounds. Baltimore plus 10 against the Steelers. The Steelers only have to beat them by 10 points. Well, you know what? Everybody else is going to think that too. So uh, I'm going the other way. It looks way, way too easy. And uh, they're in the same division. Baltimore, I think, still has a little bit of fight left in them. They aren't going to get three defensive touchdowns scored on them again this week. Take Baltimore. Okay. And, just I just I was looking it up in the background here. Tampa is officially eliminated for the playoffs. So um just just to mark it down. Somehow Atlanta is not. Um New Orleans hosting the Jacksonville Jaguars. What do you got for us, Chuck? Hey. Uh let me find it here. New Orleans. Uh you know what? There was no line on this game, but there was an opening line on Sunday and New Orleans was favored by three and a half, so we'll have to go with that one. The uh Saints by three and a half. Okay. Yeah, Drew Brees potentially up in the air on that one. Maybe that's by the line. Um, so I got to go Jacksonville this game if you're giving me that many points. Nick, what do you think? 
Yeah, I'm with you. And earlier you uh, mentioned how Blake Bortles had a down week last week. Well, he still had a touchdown pass, a touchdown run, and 297 yards. Who would have thought this time last year that we'd be considering that a down week for Blake Bortles? So, yeah, I definitely got to go with Jacksonville over an injured Drew Brees in the Saints. Yeah, I'm going to take Jacksonville here also. Um, don't know why. Uh, I just think it'll be a it'll be a, a close game. With New Orleans' offense, they're never really out of it. Maybe they, uh, maybe Jacksonville takes the lead and the Saints come back and uh, and win by a field goal. But we still win that way. So you know, let's take let's take Jacksonville here. All right. Potentially a jaded clean sweep as we're just throwing a a number out there. I know it was a documented number, but uh, we'll yeah, that's right. Um, uh, yeah, I'll keep my eye on go- it. All right. I'm not moving off that three and a half. I'll consider my money down. Uh, well, Arizona, I mean, when you, when, you, when you think about it, Josh, um, uh, McCown did not do a bad job earlier in the year when he filled in for uh, for Drew Brees. So, uh, you know, don't count New Orleans out if Drew Brees doesn't play in this game. McCown's actually out for the year. IR. Oh, he's out also? Would be Matt. Yeah. It would be Matt Flynn. No, yeah, McCown's been on IR for a couple of weeks now. I think oh, Matt Flynn. No. Is the best okay, player. then do then do count New Orleans out. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they still have to play the game. Um, Green Bay at Arizona. What do you got? The uh, Arizona Cardinals are four and a half point favorite. That's that seems like a lot of points, but it is Arizona at home, and I feel like any time I've questioned Arizona this year, they've they've proved me wrong. So I'm not I'm not going to do it in this one just because we've seen Green Bay inconsistencies, their inconsistencies, inconsistencies, and we've seen them be very vulnerable against the, an upper echelon defense, and that certainly is the case here. Uh, with the Arizona Cardinals. So I'm going to go uh, Arizona minus the four and a half. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I'm with you on this one, and it's all about location. If this game was being played in Green Bay, I would probably lean towards the Packers. But in Arizona, I definitely have to go with them. The only uh, hesitation I have is uh, I'm really curious to see how that defense looks now with uh, Tyron Matthau out for the year. What did you call him? Uh, Tyron Matthews. Uh, <laughs> Matthew. <laughs> hey, um, you know, I, I think you agree with me. Green Green Bay has just not looked like Green Bay this year on their offense. And, uh, you know, whether it's because they're missing Jordy Nelson or or, or, what, or the offensive line or what, uh, they just don't look like the same team. And I don't trust them to go down and, you know, if, if if the Cardinals didn't have an offense this year, like, you know, I guess happened in a lot of years, but they had a good defense, then, you know, you might look for a close game, but the Cardinals have the offense to back up their great defense. Um, I'm not playing any of my Packers. I'm not playing Eddie Lacy or Randall Cobb this week in my fantasy league. Um, I'm just uh, looking for Arizona to keep on rolling. We'll take the uh, Cardinals and make it a clean sweep. Okay. A little surprised by that. Just want to throw that out there. Ooh, we're getting some more double-digit St. Louis at Seattle. 13 and a half points. Or no, what? Uh, sorry, that's your job. What do you got for us? <laughs> 
Well, you were close. The uh, last line I have, hang on, let me check it again. Oh, you know what? It's now 13. No, it's 13 points here. Some places have it at 13.5. I see as as high as 14.5 at some of the books. But uh, at the Westgate here in Las Vegas, which is the line we're using, uh, Seattle by 13. Okay, Nick, what do you think? So basically, Seattle's favored by Doug Baldwin's output. So I'll take the Seahawks. Can I steal the words out of Chuck's mouth when he says Jeff Fisher always gets these boys pumped for a division game? <laughs> Nothing to yeah. play for. This is their season. Even if they even if they lose this game by a touchdown, it's still a victory for St. Louis. Is what you're telling me, Nick? So I'm going to go with St. Louis. Too many points. Yeah, I like St. Louis in this one also. You know, if I if I was smart last week, who did St. Who did St. Louis play last night? Uh, last uh, week, the Rams. Tampa. Oh, they played on Thursday night against Tampa. And uh, stupid me, I mean, at the point that at that point the Rams were five and eight, and Jeff Fisher is going to end up eight and eight. So it would only make sense. Why did I not pick the Rams last week? He's gonna he's gonna win his last three games, and this is one of them. Jeff Fisher is is shooting for eight and eight. And he's going to get one step closer this year or this week, or close to it. Let's uh, yeah, I don't want to call the outright upset, but let's pick St. Louis to uh, to give the uh, Seahawks a good game. Fisher just seems to know how to get some kind of defensive scheme to stop people. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and take the Rams along with you, Josh. Jeff Fisher with the upset saves his job in the process. That's a headline for this game. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure that when the Rams go out to L.A. that they're going to want to start off their uh, their tenancy in L.A. at 8-8 eight and eight again. Okay. Um, oh, where are we at here? New York Giants at the Minnesota Vikings. I see a big ah, the flex in this game. game since the suspension. The Vikings are favored by six, and I heard an interesting thing on uh, on the sports radio here on a handicapping show out here in Las Vegas, and and uh, it was one of the sports book directors saying that uh, Odell Beckham is one is 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 one of two receivers that will make the line move if they aren't playing. In other words, it's usually the quarterback that makes the line move if they aren't mm-hmm. playing. But uh, Odell Beckham not playing, he said, makes a point difference in the line. Who do you think the other wide receiver is? I'll let Nick guess first. Got to be Antonio Brown, right? Josh, what do you say? My heart says and uh, DeAndre Hopkins, but my head says Julio Jones. <laughs> it's Antonio Brown. Nick, you're right. Oh, <laughs> uh, for a second I thought you were going to say AJ Green. <laughs> Come on, how did no, we- uh, you know. I think yeah, I think maybe Calvin Johnson may have been one of them a couple of years ago, but uh, but he said yeah. no. He was a, he was a sports book director, and I can't remember which one. Otherwise, I'd give him credit. But he said he said Odell Beckham Jr. and Antonio Brown are the two wide receivers that would affect the line if they weren't playing. Uh, Minnesota wow, served by six, by the way. Um, well, my weird stat is this has got to be the most points the Minnesota Vikings team has ever been favored. Against the Manning brother, right? Why not? Um, I don't know if that's for sure or not, but I just want to throw that out there. Um, 
Minnesota's got to smell blood in the water in this game. And I know Adrian Peterson is questionable, but come on, he's going to play. They can clinch the playoffs with the win. They might not overuse him, but if they're leading in this game, he's getting 25 touches. Right, Norv Turner? Come on, Nick. Minnesota minus the six. Nick, what do you think? I'm going to go the other way. I think Minnesota wins this game, but six points is just too much. This feels like more of a field goal type of game to me. I think Eli Manning can at least keep them close, even without Odell Beckham. So I'll take the Giants to cover. Well, this is a strange game, and it's it's kind of uh, contingent on how the the Saturday game comes out. If if Washington wins that game, I'm pretty pretty sure they clinch the uh, NFC East, so the Giants don't have anything to play for. If uh, if Washington wins now, if Philadelphia wins, and the Giants have everything to play for. Nonetheless, uh, you know we we talked a lot about you know when a when a quarterback is out, new quarterback comes in. Not only does he uh, not only is he new entity to the other team, but also the rest of the team kind of raises their level of play, knowing they need to. And I think that's going to happen with Beckham missing here. Uh, the rest of the team is going to say, you know what, we got to pick up the slack, especially the rest of the receiver core, but but the rest of the team for all intents and purposes. So uh, uh, I'm going to look for the Giants to raise their level of play on Sunday uh, and hope that Washington doesn't win so they have something to play for, and I'll take the Giants uh, plus six. And I think Chuck kind of alluded to it, but just in case you're wondering, if Washington loses to Philadelphia, uh, it'll be in the Giants' win. It'll be Philly at the Giants for the division next week, week 17. Something to play for, obviously. There. Um, <laughs> that, that, that no, that division comes down to the final game. Isn't that fitting? Uh, yes, of course it is. Um. um did I pick that one already? Yeah, I did. And you wait a minute. So is, Nick, Dallas, is, 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 is Dallas out of the playoffs yet? They are finally <laughs> officially eliminated. Okay, good. So you can take your spurs off, Cowboy Nation. There's no more left to dig into. Um, <laughs> that was a metaphor on the fly, by the way. Bam. Um, mm-hmm. Cincinnati at Denver. And the Broncos are taking that hook into the game. Three and a half, Josh called this earlier, the potential backup QB bowl. I would, did you say three and a half? Right, yes, so we'll sir. Tyler Eifert plays. I take Cincinnati. If he doesn't, can I put a contingent on this? If he doesn't, I'm taking Denver. Um, Eifert, oh, crap, he's officially out. So there it is. There's my decisions made. I'm taking Denver. Minus three and a half, and I don't feel great about it, but I'm not, like, punching myself in the face either. Nick, what do you think? Uh, that hook really scares me. i I got to go with Cincinnati. I just think this is going to be a really low-scoring 10-7, to 13-10 type of game. And just as bad as Osweiler looked in the second half after getting injured last week, it's hard to, it's hard to bet on him. Well, I got to bet on the Denver defense uh, in this one. I think they're going to uh, to harass AJ McCarron like nobody's business. Um, McCarron did okay last week, but he wasn't playing the Broncos defense. Uh, Broncos are probably a little bit hurting from last week uh, and that that big comeback when they didn't score a point in the second half. Um, let's take the Broncos minus three and a half. 
Okay, and Nick is totally right. The over-under right now is 40.5 points. It's pretty risky underplay, but I, I think – I think if I had to choose one side, I would I would go with Nick there. What do you think there, Chuck? Uh, what do you mean? On the over-under? Picking the, yeah, on the over-under, 40 and a half. Um, I'm going to go under. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's it's, it's gone from weird. 42 and a half down. Well, I don't know. The, the key number in over-unders is 41. As long as it stayed over that, the unders were a better bet. It started out at 42, went to 42.5, and, and now it's down to 40.5. Um, yeah, probably the <laughs> unders. But uh, I also got a line move real quick here. The uh, Browns are down, or the Cleveland, or the Kansas City Chiefs are down to 12 point favorites instead of 12.5. But, but we'll leave it at 12.5, won't we? Sure, sure. For your sake. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I need that half point with the Browns. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just saying since that's that's what it was when we picked it, we'll just leave sure. it. Uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Line changes up to the second. That's what you get here at the Dynasty Pulse podcast. Uh, that's all we got. We did it. Uh, Chuck, I forgot to mention it to you personally, but I think you saw my email last week. We are not going to yes, have a podcast next week. This is the Even last of the season is, then, right? It is. We will certainly have Chuck back as we get ready for the playoffs, though we want to we want to pick all those okay. playoff games against the spread too cuz so Okay, fun. good. Okay. Well, um, listen, you know, I want want you guys to have a merry Christmas and everything and uh, and I hope you have a wonderful holiday season. Yes, yeah. As much like I told Nick earlier, as much as I want to do a podcast next week because that is the day that I turn 38. Um Wow. I will unfortunately not be able to do that because I will be traveling. So uh, it's time for our yearly murder mystery party. And this year we are lucky to have enough on New Year's Eve. So uh-huh. I could potentially be murdered on New Year's Eve. No, I'm just kidding. That's but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's what it's – it's it's a, it's a yeah, we'll leave it at that. Anyway, thank you for joining us, Chuck, as always. A pleasure. Thank you, guys. I had a great time. Nick, any closing thoughts? Oh, just uh, hope you have a great birthday and Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to you and Chuck and everybody out there. Yes, and we will be back the first Wednesday of January um, to get you all ready for the 2017 season, of course. That's why we are here. Our 2016 season, as we shift into (laughs) off-season mode, lots of fun things planned there, prospect profiles up the wazoo, I can't. Wait, I'm already almost almost have the players pinpointed on my next mock that should be coming out sometime in January. So uh, look forward to that and have a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to everybody out there uh, in DFW's uh, fandom there. We uh, we appreciate you guys listening, and uh, hopefully you win your championship this week, and hopefully we, we helped you out along the way. So thank you, and uh, have a Merry Christmas. <laughs> Got a pocket full of change and they see no stack.
I mean, Justin Hunter, really? Try catching 30 passes in a season before you start complaining about roster moving. <laughs> so you are what you are in this world. That's either one or two things. Either you're somebody or you're nobody.